What's up, you guys? I'm Anya. And I'm Kylie. And this is Two Degrees Hotter, the postgrad podcast where we get real about life after college every Tuesday. Hey, hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Two Degrees Hotter. It's another week. I hope everyone is feeling good. You probably noticed that I am solo today, but have no fear. I am not lonely because I will be joined by my amazing guest to keep me company. And today that is Hannah Goldstein. She is the COO of Rugget. Rugget makes environmentally responsible outdoor gear that supports empowered women. And we really dig into kind of all of the gender gaps that exist in the outdoor space. So it's a really interesting episode. And she's also just a really awesome person. We vibe on so many different levels. And I think we had a really great conversation. So if you're into environmentalism, sustainability, the outdoors, empowering women, literally anything. We talk about so many different things in this episode. So I know you guys are going to love it. We're really lucky to say that we have a discount code for you guys. And that discount code is 20 TDH less than three, you know, like the heart. <laughs> um, so that is a discount code for 20% off. And Hannah told me she was going to throw in a special little free gift for anyone that uses that code. So their website is awesome. They make some amazing products, including some high-waisted pants and some awesome t-shirts and gorgeous prints. So totally check out their website and we will have it linked down below, of course. So yeah, you guys can probably tell that I'm really vibing with this episode. I think it's a really awesome one. So definitely stick around for the interview portion of today's episode. But before we get into that, let's start the segments. So for my week in review, I have some exciting news. You guys may have seen this coming based on what we talked about a couple weeks back, but I officially am moving back to the Boston area and I am so thrilled. As you guys know, it was part of my postgrad plan to stay in the Boston area. I really like living out there and just kind of the postgrad vision that I had for myself always had me living out there. So um, I feel so lucky and grateful that I was able to live at home for this time, but really itching to get back there. So I feel so lucky that I finally... I'm going to be able to do so. It's a pretty quick turnaround. So I actually think the week that the episode is coming out is the week that I'm going to be moving, which is kind of crazy. So send me good vibes. Moving gives me a lot of stress, um, but I'm really excited about the place. It's a two bedroom and I'm moving in with my boyfriend, Grant. So it's going to be awesome. And it's uh, got a lot of character, which I definitely wanted. So I'm really excited about it. And I'm sure I'll be talking more about it as we get the apartment set up and everything. It just feels like this entire year has kind of been leading to this point and I feel so thrilled that you know we're finally able to kind of get closer to the postgrad experience that I originally imagined and that I had this time at home with my pets and with my parents and I think everything just really worked out in the end so if you're feeling anxious about your situation right now just know that it's temporary just know that you're going to have something exciting come down the line and I'm rooting for you and we're all rooting for you so yeah that was one thing that I'm really excited about and another thing that I wanted to bring up this week this is kind of random I guess I'll have the article linked down below but this article isn't even new it's from August of 2020 and it's in it's published in nature and it's titled why deforestation and extinctions make pandemics more likely I thought it was a good one to bring up in this episode because obviously if you're listening to this episode, you are somewhat into sustainability or the outdoors or you're just curious about those spaces and all of that is great. So it was a really interesting article um, about links between biodiversity and emerging diseases, which is something that I never really thought about before. Um, so basically kind of how deforestation and extinction of different species is allowing pandemics to be more severe than they ever would have been otherwise. So I'll have it linked if you're interested in checking it out, but it truly blew my mind. <laughs> um, and I've been thinking about it a lot and just how everything 
in the universe is kind of linked, things that we would never think to link. So yeah, kind of crazy. But that's it for my week in review. Pretty speedy this week when it's running solo. So let's jump into my favorite. My favorite for this week is another podcast and it's called the Dare to Self-Care Podcast with Jen Lauren. And we're actually in a bunch of different groups with Jen. She's a YouTuber as well as a podcaster and I just really love her content in general. It all really revolves around self-care. And what I appreciate about her episodes is I feel like she really does her research on the guests that she brings on. She brings on people that talk about different self-care techniques that I've never heard of before. Like I feel like it's very much not the cookie cutter self-care like aesthetic you know type of content she really dives deep into how self-care has played a role in all of these different people's success and talks about methods that I've never even heard of before like different breathing techniques and diets and just so many different things that I feel like every time I listen to her episodes I'm really getting exposed to things that I would never have found on my own so I really have been liking her podcast and she also just seems like such a bright sunny personality and she lives in New York City so she's just a really interesting person and I think if you guys like our podcast you would definitely like hers and I would love to have her on as a guest sometime in the future so definitely go ahead and check out her podcast if you haven't. I believe they come out every Monday so it's just a really great start to your week. I literally look forward to them coming out and listening to them on my Monday walks. Highly recommend and with that pretty speedy segments I guess we will move right into the interview with Hannah Goldstein and I know you guys are just gonna love it. All right, and moving into our main interview portion of this episode, I am literally so hyped to welcome Hannah Goldstein to the show today. I feel like you probably don't know this, but you've been kind of like on my periphery for a while to have on the show. Like, I feel like you've been, <laughs> been like creepily watching from a distance and like waiting for the right time to ask. So really excited. Hannah is a the co-founder and COO at Rugette, which is an awesome company we'll dive more into. Um, she's also an entrepreneur in residence and an upper school English teacher and assistant coach at a high school. So she's such a badass and I'm really grateful we get to sit down with her today, pick her brain about the gender specific adventure gap, industry inclusivity, environmental responsibility, and more. So hey, Hannah, welcome to the show. Hi, it's so thank you so much for having me. And I honestly feel the same way. I'm like, when can I get to know Anya better? Also, <laughs> I like... <laughs> I feel so honored. This is crazy. Yeah, I'm really excited to have you on. And I guess we can just dive right in. Why don't you tell our listeners classic two degrees hotter questions? Where did you go to school and what was your major? Awesome. I went to Williams College in Western Massachusetts and I was an environmental studies major. Um, and Anya, I don't know about what your environmental studies degree was like, but mine was super humanities heavy. I think sometimes people are like, oh, environmental studies. So you were like, bio major and I'm like mm -hmm. no um, yeah. I actually wrote my thesis on the role of water in the Israeli-Palestinian conflict and so it's a very like humanities political science but also environmental perspective on all of that kind of focused yeah that's awesome yeah ours was um I guess maybe more a little a little more traditional environmental studies, but I combined environmental studies and poli sci for my major so I'm sure we basically had the same exact major in the end probably um, and yeah, I remember hearing that about your thesis when we were chatting beforehand and it sounds super interesting. So you have to send me the link sometime. Yeah. What was your experience at Williams? Like, I feel like it had to be probably polar opposite from my college experience. So I'm interested to hear more. And I guess maybe just explain a little bit about it if our listeners aren't familiar with it. Sure. So Williams is a small liberal arts college, uh, like I said, in Western Mass. And um, we have about 2,500 students, uh, and I graduated in 2020, so last year. 
but it's a really intense place. It's hyper academic. And if you are wondering where someone is, they're probably in the library, (laughs) which is something that I was, I think, both really excited by going to college and also um, in the middle of college was feeling like run down about. And so I'm really glad Mm -hmm. I ended up studying abroad and I got that break that I was like really hoping for. It was such a cool experience to be in in a community where everyone was as much of a nerd as I was about different (laughs) topics. And so I got to just kind of dig deep into almost everything that happened on campus. Um, And it's also in the middle of the mountains, which is really important to me. And I just loved being able to go spend so many hours outside every single day um, rain, shine, snow, whatever it was, uh, and also have take classes that made that possible to, to have part of the education experience be outside. Uh, but also just kind of creating lots of opportunities for myself. This is one, I'm, I have a feeling we'll get there, but one piece of advice that um, I definitely got from a professor was to not be afraid to carve my own path. And I was so happy to do so. Um, and so happy I did that. And just being creative about asking different professors to work on projects and kind of advocating for myself to like, go do research on different things that I was curious about and stuff like that. That sounds amazing. Um, and I'm curious, I don't think I knew that you studied abroad. So where did you go? So I actually, this is kind of crazy. I was at an environmental peace building institute in the middle of the desert in Israel. And so it was one third Israelis, one third Palestinians and Jordanians, and then one third international students. And the whole time we were there, we were living on a kibbutz, which is essentially Mm -hmm. like a socialist commune in some ways. Or (laughs) And it it was a really interesting way to live. And it's like the kind of place where everyone runs barefoot. (laughs) But it was also just a really cool place where every single week would have this dedicated time to talk about the conflict. And then outside of that time, it would come up all the time, obviously, because of the different people who were there. But our classes were all about peace building in the Middle East. And that was just super inspiring. And I met some of the most interesting and passionate people that are true change makers that I've ever met and very grateful for that experience. Yeah, that sounds incredibly unique. Um, And do you speak Hebrew? No, I actually, I don't. I I know probably an equivalent amount of uh, Hebrew and Arabic slang, but Mm. I I really, every once in a while, like throw some Arabic or Hebrew slang in there and then people will be like, what? And I'll I'll be like, I I don't actually know. (laughs) Um, I wish, but not not yet. I was just curious. I actually have some family in Israel um, and I know that they listen. So I was just curious if you you had anything. They live in Tel Aviv or just outside Tel Aviv. So um, I've been there a couple of times, but not in my more recent years. And I feel like I would have definitely like a different appreciation for it if I were to go now. I definitely see how that experience uh, probably inspired your capstone, I imagine. Oh, certainly. <laughs> I I um, definitely was inspired by every, every person I met and every story I heard and um, all of the just cold hard facts. And then mm-hmm. just being there and seeing the tangible impact it has is pretty jarring and, and really interesting, but also it feels like a place that climate change is so impact impactful mm-hmm. and also um, little things make a really big difference. And so that was 
it's always interesting to kind of unpack the intricacies there. Yeah, totally. And so you talked a little bit about advice that you would give our listeners that are still in college. And it's okay if you don't have any other pieces, but I was curious to ask, thinking about what was most impactful during your college experience? Maybe it was your experience abroad or something else. Is there any advice that you would have for listeners still in college or something you wish you could tell your former self? Really good question. Um, I'm kind of giggling right now because at the when I graduated, the school newspaper did this uh, session where they interviewed the, in like podcast style lots of different seniors on the advice they'd give to freshmen. And stupid me wanted to be funny. And I was like, go skinny dipping. And now I'm like <laughs> kicking myself. Now that's out there. This is being published in the school newspaper. And this is the only advice that I gave freshmen. <laughs> incoming <laughs> freshmen. Um, so do go skinny dipping. I do highly recommend the experience. But also, <laughs> um, I, I really was proud of just kind of going after experiences outside the classroom and, and kind of building community and um, I guess standing up for the things that I believed in. That Those were, it sounds so cheesy, but I'm just thinking about a lot of different experiences I had in college where I could have chosen to do my homework or like go the extra mile with my extracurriculars. And um, I always chose my extracurriculars, which I can't decide every other day. I decide which one I wish I did <laughs> with my academics or extracurriculars. But I also just do think that at least at Williams, all the students just need a little nudge to get outside the classroom a little more and get outside mm -hmm. the library. And um, I don't know if that's the case to other schools. And my guess is probably not, but <laughs> um, definitely would encourage people to try and get outside of your comfort zone and extracurriculars and really meet other people and prioritize them sometimes over getting the academic stuff done. Yeah. I love that advice. Um, can't say that I went skinny dipping during my college experience. I don't imagine that would be well received <laughs> in like the Boston public garden or something like that. Um, but yeah, I think definitely when I think back on my college experience, like what I remember is like the spring dance concerts that I was a part of and like the sorority events that I went to, like, I don't really remember grinding in the library at 2am. I know it happened, but like, I don't really have like core memories associated. So I think that's great advice. Um, and we talked a little bit about this before we started recording. So I know you have kind of an interesting story here, but how have your plans changed since graduating in 2020? Such a good question. I feel like this is the year for the pivots, every single pivot that could possibly happen did. Totally. Uh, when I was preparing to graduate, I really wanted to pursue some kind of environmental policy in the Middle East and maybe even some kind of State Department stuff. And then um, I ended up kind of taking the first job I was offered, which to be honest, I kind of regret doing. Um, the first job I was offered was a paralegal position that was just a summer job, which ended up working really in my favor at first. I was like, damn, I wanted a real job. Mm -hmm. But I was so lucky to have it be more of an internship because I ended up not really loving it. It was just not a good fit for the way my brain works and the way that I, I like to live my work life. And I also was kind of missing the social aspect when uh, everything was just so everyone was already friends and I was the only new person mm -hmm. in the office and with the pandemic I'm, I don't know if you can relate to this Anya but it, it was really hard to onboard spoiler alert I then um 
pivoted again. I was living in Colorado at the time, right after graduation, and I was like, I'm just going to go back to my parents for a couple of weeks. And of course- Famous last words. Yeah, of course. (laughs) (laughs) And then um, weeks turned to months uh, when I got this position at the high school I went to, actually. So that was kind of full circle. Mm -hmm. Cool. Yeah. And then in, even in that position, there have been many, many pivots. But uh, I, yeah, so here we are, which is pretty exciting. Yeah. And I'm excited to dive into your role at the high school later on in this episode too. Um, but it sounds like overall a nice homecoming. I didn't realize that you had went to school there too. So I'm sure there's like a nice familiarity and it must be kind of weird too. Like, is it weird or? <laughs> it's so weird. I really, first of all, I just... It was painful at first because I didn't want to be that alum that graduates from your <laughs> high school. And then you just graduate college and you go right back to high school. And I was so not wanting to be that person. But I was really looking for things that I could do to make a little bit of money and really dive into Raguette. But uh, And this ended up starting that way. And then as the year continued, I just ended up getting a lot more responsibility, which was very exciting, but also kind of pulled me a little more away from Raguette and a little deeper into the school. Um, and this summer, I think that there's going to be a, a big shift in the other direction and, and a lot more Raguette time. So it, with, with a baby startup, life ups and flows in crazy ways. Yes. And that's a good transition into talking a little more about Raguette. Um, so I feel like we haven't really touched on what Raguette really is. So can you tell our listeners about what Raguette is, the mission, and kind of your current offerings or products, however you would put it? Absolutely. So we are an outdoor gear company and we're mission driven. So um, we're our company name is Raguette PBC, which stands for Public Benefit Corporation. And our mission is to promote gender equity, inclusivity, and sustainability in the outdoors by trying to essentially crush the gender-specific adventure gap. With our mission, we we try and promote the mission in so many different ways. We, Like I said, we primar- primarily make outdoor gear, but we have a huge team of ambassadors. And the ambassadors, the goal of that program is really not to sell a product. The goal is to build community and host different kinds of ways to engage with each other and promote our mission first. And if they so happen to encourage their friends and their friends of their friends to be a part of what we're building by wearing our gear that would that's always super cool <laughs> um, but it's never our intention with building that program um, and that's such a big part of what we do mm-hmm. but um, some of our main offerings right now we our first product is a pair of high-waisted hiking and climbing pants something that's totally wild is, there was never a pair of high-waisted hiking and climbing pants before our pants. We were like really? freaking mind-blown, right? <laughs> yeah. Like, women love high-waisted pants. And also we noticed that we – so I'm not personally a rock climber, but my co-founders are. And a harness just doesn't fit with low-rise pants. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of it, – it, it like kind of rubs you in the wrong places and – that's really uncomfortable and can could totally be a safety hazard um, if you're totally bothered by the way your harness is fitting and that's impacting the way you climb when any mm-hmm. kind of mistake there could really impact your life a lot. <laughs> so we're trying to make more options for women to get outside and we really think that gear is a big part of that pursuit. 
Yeah, totally. Um, and I was browsing your website and I like that you guys call them the pants. Like, I think that's amazing. <laughs> um, and I can't believe that there wasn't a high-waisted offering before this because I definitely don't buy pants that aren't high-waisted. <laughs> so um, it's great that you guys are being kind of trailblazers in that in that niche. Um, and so I'm curious how the whole idea for Rugette came about. I mean, obviously it sounds like you're a pretty outdoorsy person and probably so are your co-founders, but just curious kind of how you, you know, came to the conclusion that there were these issues. And then also how did you meet your co-founders? Cause I was looking at the website and it doesn't look like you're all from the same school. So I'm curious to hear that story too. Amazing question. So there, I feel like there are so many stories on why we started Rugget and um, first of all, I just want to give a ton of credit to my co-founders who both go to Colby College in Maine, and they're actually seniors right now, so they're about to graduate. And they won the pitch competition there, the school's pitch competition. And they won it, and they were the first first years and first women to ever win the competition, which is so cool. Wow. Um, and so that was in 2018. We all have different outdoor adventures that we love going on and spend a lot of our life going on. And... Each of us had such a hard time finding pants. And so my, especially my co-founder Isabel was preparing for a gap year. And during her gap year, she was spending a semester living in the complete backcountry of the Rockies. And so she wow. was going to be out of civilization for 90 days and she couldn't buy a fucking pair of pants that fit her. <laughs> and so I think that hearing from her about that experience, she tells a story about going into the REI dressing room and just like putting on pants, pairs of pants and pairs of pants and trying them on and none of them fit. And just, she tells a story about sinking to the floor and just kind of putting her heads, her hands on her head and kind of just feeling so upset and realizing what if I made my own? That's, what if I did that? And so she and our other co-founder Lily got together and uh, when they met at co college and they ended up winning the pitch competition. And then a couple of months later, um, almost a year later, I met them. And this is kind of a crazy story. Separately, I was having my own kind of grappling with my role as a woman in the outdoors and being on different intense expeditions. Uh, I spent a month mountaineering in Alaska and I was one of four women on my 17 person expedition. And I felt kind of like an outsider in this community mm -hmm. that we were building. And I felt like I wasn't expected to carry as much weight or I was expected to hike slower or I was expected to not be as strong of a leader. And this was not the first time I felt that way in different intense outdoor scenarios. And I was like, am I the only one feeling this? And what's going on here? So I ended up applying for a journalism grant from my college and getting one to dive into the uh, role of gender politics in the outdoors. And so mm. I spent a lot of time interviewing, especially women ski patrollers on their experience. Um, and then I was kind of branching out and someone introduced me to Isabel. And they were like, you should interview Isabel. Isabel and Lily started this crazy cool outdoor company. And so, of course, I interview Isabel. We become fast friends and we like go on a ski together and talk about our wildest dreams and then um, ended up just talking about Raget so much. And then I would just start offering to do work for her <laughs> and start <laughs> offering to, to do work for the company and then um, a task here, a task there. And eventually Isabel um, and Lily invited me to 
help them get the company off the ground. So that's how I got connected with them, which is pretty wild (laughs) and uh, cool that it started with same mission from coming at the problem from different places. So that's a little bit about how we got together in our founding story. Yeah, that's like so serendipitous and crazy. And also you all sound like complete badasses. I feel so lame over here. You're like, I was in Alaska. And then she's like in backcountry Rockies. And here I am like, I'm, I can't believe it. You guys are so cool. Um, So that's an amazing story. And I imagine it must have been cool to like, meet someone unexpectedly that had such a shared perspective, but you had come to it separately. Like I just, I don't know, that must have been a really cool, like looking in a mirror type of thing from a distance. (laughs) Totally. And I think that um, I love solving problems. And the way my brain works is I'm like, what's going on here and how can we make it better? And Mm -hmm. the fact it's so cool to be on a team of people that also think that way. And I, I mean, even talking to you, I feel like you think that way. And I love just making friends with people who, who are always kind of chasing after how to make the world a better place. Um, and also, I have to say that you don't have to be an environmentalist. You don't have to be, um, you don't have to be this like crazy outdoor person in order to enjoy it and appreciate it and care for it. And that's something that we're really trying to change at Raguette actually Mm. is is how can we redefine what outdoorsy means like I I appreciate your compliments and I'm really proud of my accomplishments of of all of my intense outdoor adventures but even if you go on a walk outside of your apartment in downtown Boston that's still spending time outside and appreciating it and so Mm -hmm. that's something we're we're really working hard to try and promote but I think that we can be proud of any kind of way we spend time outside. So you are also very badass. (laughs) Yeah, I I love that point. I think it's definitely really important to bring up because I think a lot of communities in the sustainability world can feel very like exclusive, I guess, especially I imagine there's like such a learning curve to a lot of, you know, uh, stereotypically outdoorsy things like rock climbing is a very like strategic thing. You have to learn like, I mean, I just think it's it's hard to imagine yourself in that position if it's something you've never done before. And I feel like that definitely holds a lot of people back from ever trying. So I love that you guys have a focus on that. And I think it's really important. Um, and speaking of, you know, your focuses in general, you mentioned that Rugget's values are inclusivity, gender equity in the outdoors, and sustainability. So I was curious to dive a little deeper into each one of those, if you don't mind. Um, so on your website, you guys say that time and time again, you feel that the outdoor industry and outdoor recreators haven't done enough to support social and racial justice. So I was curious to pick your brain and see how a small company like Rugget can work to fight against these issues. Amazing, amazing question and something that we ask ourselves time and time again every single day. Mm-hmm. And I think that it's something that we will continue to work towards no matter how successful other people might deem us. And so we consider ourselves always doing the work um, to, to promote equity in the outdoors, whether that be racial, socioeconomic, gender, etc. Um, so many more different intersections of identity that we know impact our experience and ability to get outside. And so we try and create the most welcoming space possible. And in part, encouraging people that if you're, like I just said, if you're gardening and you're 
backyard garden or if you or commute urban community garden or if you are walking down the street in outside downtown New York City wow downtown New York City it's you can really tell I'm so not from New York City but saying downtown <laughs> New York City but um all of those and or if you're like on a multi-pitch climb in the middle of the backcountry those are all wonderful things to to do to spend time outside and appreciate the earth and so we try and consider all of the different barriers to entry for the for mm-hmm. enjoying time outside and, and see how we can break them down little by little uh, one thing that i'm really excited for us to launch this summer is a gear grant um, and we're still working out the kinks but essentially we realized that outdoor gear is super expensive if you want to spend time outside and so is our gear for many reasons that maybe we'll talk about in the sustainability section but that's really hard for us to grapple with because it's kind of against our mission but if we were making lower quality goods that would also be against our mission Mm -hmm. so we want to try and figure out how can we make our high quality gear accessible to people who might otherwise not have the opportunity to afford it or take advantage of using it Um, and so it's it's hard to answer the question, um, and we're always going to have so much room for improvement, but um, that's that's a little bit of, of what we do. I also quickly will add that every six months, we try and do a company analysis on our initiatives and set a new action plan. And so we essentially check in on our progress towards our justice, equity, diversity, and inclusion goals as a company and see how we can uh, make more ambitious goals always. And also we try and make sure that our community has a really big part in setting those goals rather than as executives, we don't want to make those goals for other people. We want to make them Mm -hmm. together. So that's, that's a little bit more about where we decide to put our efforts in just based on what people really advocate for. Yeah, that's all so amazing. And I love that you guys have this initiative to provide grants for people that wouldn't otherwise have accessibility for your products. And I think, you know, having worked with a lot of startups, that's such an issue that startups often run into. It's like you can make the higher quality thing and maybe not reach your target audience or you can reach your target audience but the thing's going to fall apart in two months. So I think that's such a common experience and definitely something that a lot of entrepreneurs grapple with. So I'm glad that you were able to touch on that. Um, and yeah, I love, uh, the goal setting aspect as well. Kyle and I are big goal setters and that's a big part of my role at my job too, is kind of evaluating our KPIs, making sure we're, you know, measuring the right things to achieve the right things. It's actually a lot harder than it sounds funny enough, but, um, all really important initiatives. And I'm glad that you guys are so vocal, um, on social and everything too, about so many issues and you're really using your platform for important causes. So all of that's really amazing to see. Um, And kind of moving on to the gender equity front, your branding talks about how women with an X who love the outdoors have been historically labeled as tomboys. This is definitely true in my experience and have been pushed to turn away from traditional norms of femininity and how gender bias is present in the gear options available for women. So can you expand on this? Uh, You know, I think about going into like North Face or whatever, and it's like, yes, everything's like pink and teal, but uh, curious to hear more like from your perspective and with the issues that you saw. Wow, I love this question. Also, we always have work to do. I appreciate the support and also hold us accountable, help push us forward. That's 
That's why <laughs> we are here to do this horse work. <laughs> I think also your observation of the pink and teal, I, I would also add powder blue. And then we got all <laughs> the colors that are represented for women in gear <laughs> options. And um, there's, I think there's this funny experience that I had, especially in late high school, early college, where I wanted to prove that I was tough. And so I kind of shied away from all of the different parts of my femininity that I was really proud of and really loved. And I was like, nope, I'm going to be that tomboy kind of, and I'm going to be super tough and I'm going to teach myself to like whiskey. And <laughs> and um, my dad always makes fun of me. He's like, so do you actually like whiskey or do you just like the look of you drinking whiskey? And at <laughs> this point, <laughs> exactly, at this point, <laughs> I can say both, but not in the beginning. But I, so I think like that kind of stuff, that was really informative. In, um, and then I kind of later in college came back to terms with really being proud of my femininity. And this comes into regret because I think that a lot of women uh, feel like they have to be gritty and they have to be masculine and they have to be tough to get respect in the outdoors. But you you don't, and there are so many different forms of leadership, and there are so many different forms of engaging with people and solving problems that you can channel femininity, and it and there it's odd also that there's such a binary, especially mm. in general, but but in the outdoors, it just shows up in such an extreme way. And so, with what we try and do, we try and welcome and complement all sides of where people are coming from, and also be really proud of our femininity and how that impacts our experience outside and kind of coupling with the femininity with grit and femininity mm. with badass. And we try and redefine what badass means and, and who considers themselves badass because we see everyone to have something about them that's badass to be proud of. Yeah. And I think it's really important that you're proving that being outdoorsy and being feminine are not mutually exclusive things. And I think that's definitely a misconception um, for everyone, even people that aren't, you know, super involved in the outdoors. I think that's just something that we all grew up thinking. So I think it's really important that you guys are fighting that, I guess you could say stigma or just assumption, I guess. Um, and so lastly, I know that sustainability is a focus. We talked a little bit about this, um, but you've taken a big step here and you've become a public benefit corporation, which I know is a really big deal. Um, where I work is actually a public benefit corporation too. So it's, um, it's a really, it's really impressive, um, as such an early stage company that you guys have achieved that. So, um, can you talk about what that really means for our listeners who might not know? Thanks. Yeah. It's, I think that a lot of people get, a PBC confused with a B Corp, mm. um, which is so a B Corp is a designation that you can pay for essentially, and you have to kind of work with certain standards, but it's a certification that you like write a check and it shows up on your website. It's not, um, and, and there's some actions you have to take, but it's not the same intensity level or, mm -hmm. or it's not as ingrained, I guess, within the company structure. So with a, a PBC, a public benefit corporation, our primary fiduciary duty, so our primary legal duty is actually to our mission before our shareholders. Mm. And so we have an opportunity that if we were to make a large profit, for example, we could use that profit to better our mission or to support our mission or donate to certain causes before kind of having that trickle down to investors. Mm -hmm. um, 
that I'm to, we're we're gonna jump into some fundraising soon, so it'll be really interesting to see how it impacts the fundraising experience that I can't speak to yet. But um, it also means that uh, the board who makes decisions for our company they always have to make decisions with our mission in mind too, and that's something that was really important to us. And we want to grow this company to something that makes a really big difference in a lot of people's lives and hopefully grows much longer than we'll be able to lead it. And we want the future generation of whoever would lead this company to also have the same priorities and, and have a legal obligation to commit to those priorities. That's a really good explanation of a PBC, probably one of the best ones that I've heard. Imagine what the world would look like if every company was a public benefit corporation. <laughs> wow, imagine. <laughs> I can't imagine. Um, yeah, crazy. But kind of shifting a little bit, we've had a lot of CEOs on the show. I think pretty much all of our entrepreneurship-related guests have been founders or CEOs. Um, so I was curious to have you explain what a COO does and kind of how that differs um, and also how you and your co-founders manage your differing roles and responsibilities, keeping in mind that at a startup, everyone kind of does everything. And I feel like that's part of what can make it hard sometimes. So, yeah. I am obsessed with this question. Oh my God. <laughs> I'm, I'm also just such a dork when it comes to team building and also dividing different responsibilities in different ways. And of course, I love Notion and I'm, yes. I'm inkling <laughs> you do too. Yes. Um, yeah. And I, I think like Notion, like loving Notion feels like a, a big part of my vision COO. of what a COO is. Yeah, and totally. <laughs> and so if you don't know what Notion is, I feel like if you're listening to the, this podcast, there's a higher probability you do. <laughs> but <laughs> it's essentially a productivity tool, but it kind of gives you um, tools to accomplish whatever kind of setup you want, but in, in kind of a blank slate to do it. Um but it's like very high functioning and gets a ton done and it you can kind of create a lot of organizational structure. And I'm using this as a really weird metaphor to describe what a COO <laughs> does. But essentially um, at our company, I kind of am the person that makes sure we have a check next to every box. And so when it comes to the supply chain, um, I help definitely with the communication between our different manufacturers and the fabric mill and um, helping make sure that the production is going and on time. I also help plan out what the trajectory of our production is going to look like and when do we want to order something to have it at a different time. And then um, I also help manage all of the different people we work with. And um, we don't have a CFO, so I do all of our finances too. There, I just kind of am like... <laughs> for lack of a better way to put it, logistics queen is my role. Yes. <laughs> and um, also, I think just like having a feeler on everything that possibly needs to get done and making sure that it, someone is doing it. Um, a big part of my role also has been managing our artist slash maker in residence program. We try and work with a lot of different makers. And um, that's definitely a big one of my favorite parts of what we do. It's it's so hard to describe. I'm doing a horrible job, but there, it, it's just kind of everything, <laughs> and I feel like um, there's just no good way to explain it. <laughs> no, yeah, that's that's startup life. I mean, I can kind of relate. I feel like a lot of my work 
And also just especially the direction that I'm like leaning with my career is that uh, is more of an operations role too. Like I feel like having an, you know, if you have like a natural knack for that kind of thing, just like process improvement um, and efficiency and all those things. Um, So I think that definitely makes sense. Do you ever find it challenging? Like do you ever find that sometimes the roles can kind of blend together and like how do you navigate that within your team? Great question. And and also I think that this is a good opportunity to also say because we're so young, our our roles feel really undefined and mm-hmm. we kind of just collaborate on every single thing we do and we sometimes do our own thing and sometimes we do them together. Um, but so to your question, I would say that um, we just really communicate a lot. Even though we're a three-person mm-hmm. team, we like rely on Slack and mm-hmm. have channels for all the different things that we need to accomplish. We try and um, identify the different tasks that need to get done and boil them down more so as tasks rather than overarching fields. Sometimes we, we do overarching fields. So for example, my co-founder, Lily, is really in charge of the Instagram and we just kind of leave it to her and she's amazing Mm -hmm. and makes it aesthetic and engaging in such a cool way. Um, And that's all her. (laughs) And Mm -hmm. um, every once in a while I'll respond to DMs when she's like, we have too many, can you help? (laughs) So, I mean, I think that's a really good aspect to touch on too, is like in a young company, you have the flexibility to take on the things that you feel like you're good at too. So I think that's a huge benefit to being on a small team. Um, and my last question in the kind of rugged section here is what would you say is the biggest challenge of founding a startup and also the biggest reward? Hmm. I honestly, you could ask me this every day and I'd say something new. It's one of the most fulfilling things I've ever done in my life because it feels like truly we're building something. And Mm -hmm. even when things are hard, they grow and build upon each other and it's so cool to we have pants we have real live pants that we designed and then manufactured and then package up and ship out to real live people and (laughs) people order them it's so cool and so fulfilling um so that's one of the biggest rewards is is also just feeling like we've built a community we have 150 ambassadors and that's totally wild that we have 150 mm-hmm. people that are in- interested enough in our mission and what we're building that they want to support it in in name and in practice. And that's really cool. Challenges, whew, I'd say <laughs> so many, but um, right now I'm really feeling like it's really hard to do this when you're in college. It was really mm. hard last year when I was graduating to balance my thesis and, and building a company and then I think this year, I I think that my co-founders are also in their senior spring and really want to enjoy what it's like to be a senior in college and dive into academics. And it's it's so hard to operate a company, um, not just build it when you're on an academic schedule. So I'd say that's one of our biggest challenges right now. And um, there was one time that we were in three different time zones. And in three different countries, actually. And so wow. it was like, I, I feel like we have been so desperate to all be on the same wavelength when it comes to like location and place in life and time. Mm-hmm. And I'm really excited that this summer, hopefully, we'll have that shift. Yeah, totally. Um, so 
Moving away from Ruga, as if being COO wasn't enough, you also have another job working at the school, which we talked about a little bit earlier. Um, so can you talk about each of your roles there? I know you have a few and they're kind of evolving, but uh, curious to learn more. <laughs> yeah, um, absolutely. They they are always evolving. I feel like every other day they're like, will you do this? And I'm like, yes. And I think um, I've been thinking a lot today. I had a meeting with my supervisor about um, my aunt is writing a book about, this is separate, but she's writing a book about good and bad no's. Like what's a good no versus in a bad yes? And mm. what's a good yes versus, yeah, anyway. Um, so interesting. Shout out to Debbie Goldstein. <laughs> um, but I've been thinking a lot about that today with my supervisor at school. And I feel like I'm always saying yes. I feel like a lot of your listeners maybe can relate to mm -hmm. this and maybe you can relate to this, <laughs> but I'm always saying yes. And I think that there needs to be a point where it's okay to take a step back and maybe say no to an opportunity. And I think as someone who just graduated college and I'm just eager to get into the workforce and eager for every opportunity that falls in front of me, it's so hard to turn anything down. But I think for my sanity, that's really a place I need to grow. Anyway, um, at <laughs> the school, I right now I have like three separate jobs, which is kind of crazy. So one of them is I'm the assistant coach for the half marathon team. So that's kind of cool. I get a run for my job, but also just support students in learning how to build their endurance. I also teach ninth grade English, which is really fun. It's because it's a small independent private school. I also get to design my own curriculum. And so wow. they like do whatever I feel like that day. Um, <laughs> right now we're reading The Kite Runner, which is a fun and really intense book to tackle. I also am an entrepreneur in residence. And with that position, I help coach students with their entrepreneurial ideas and projects. And the most exciting project that I've been working on all year is with a team of three students who are the executive members, essentially, uh, who are putting on a TEDx conference. And the TEDx conference was actually this weekend. It feels kind of funny to be talking about it in the past tense. Um, <laughs> but we spent since September building the event, and it's been probably the most rewarding part of this year besides Reggaet because the it's coaching students on, on learning how to hone in their entrepreneurial skills. It's they're just also these three students are just exceptional in every single way. And so that's been so cool to support their growth and their curiosity. And the event was a huge success. So I'm so proud of them and uh, so proud of, of being a part of them chasing their dream too. It's, one thing to build your own business, it's in another to support other people building theirs. And I'd say that both are incredibly fulfilling in different ways. Yeah. And I think it's really cool that the school that you work at prioritizes having a program like that, because I think so many students would have amazing ideas if they were given an opportunity to chase them and have a mentor figure like that. So I think it's really amazing and just goes to show like the culture, I guess, of the school that you're at, because I feel like there's not that many schools that have a program like that. So it's cool that that gets to be, gets to be you. <laughs> it's so true. I'm so lucky uh, to be to completely honest. This is also maybe a piece of advice for people. They offered me a position as an intern and I was like, Hey, what about entrepreneur in residence? And they were like, Oh, actually that's cool. Yeah, let's do it. So it <laughs> wasn't like their idea. And yeah, you can, I, I think like especially when you get a position, 
it depends on the institution, but it was cool. I think they already knew me. So they knew that if I like got to work on something, I'd haul ass, but (laughs) (laughs) for lack of a better way to put it, but I think like it's, it's cool that you can kind of advocate for what you want to pursue. And, and sometimes there's a place and a time and that there's room for it. So that was cool. Yeah. That's literally even cooler that you basically proposed the position and they were like, word, do it. <laughs> um, lucky. And I'm also, yeah, totally. I'm curious to ask, like, you work with ninth graders, which like, yes, we're older than ninth graders, like pretty significantly, but we're not like that much older. So I was curious, like, how is that dynamic? Like, do you ever feel like they try to like take advantage of the fact that you're younger or anything like that? <laughs> I'm laughing because yes <laughs> uh, it's so and also for the TEDx conference um two of the students are seniors and one's a junior and I like have no filter with them I'm just like mm-hmm. so you're my friends <laughs> but then I'm like mm, but I grade you <laughs> yeah. so I need to not always be that way um and so with the ninth graders especially I find myself both like wanting to channel being so young because I think that I can serve as a mentor for them in a way that other teachers maybe can't. Um, but at the same time, I I feel like they don't respect me as much. So as a way to kind of work with this, I always wear really nice teacher clothes to school. Like mm. I wear outfits that make me look way older and maybe are out of my comfort zone, but I like wear fancy slacks to school every day and or something equivalent so that they realize like there's a difference between me wearing my ripped jeans and like or them wearing their ripped jeans and like me wearing my heels (laughs) and so yeah um I try and create these moments where there's there is that kind of difference but I also have like a big part of the way that I'm teaching them um I try and empower them to take on their own learning journey as opposed to me telling them what to do because as a first year teacher I kind of feel like they know as much as I do about how things happen in a classroom and so Mm -hmm. why not give them the opportunity to shape it I try and flip things on their heads sometimes and and give the opportunity back to the students but yeah it's it's very challenging to navigate being really young and them feeling also really like close in age but also yeah young. I don't know it's hard to explain that's how I felt like I remember having a, a conversation at length with my manager about this about when I was managing my first intern in this role and she was like a year younger than me and I was like this is so weird like we're basically the same age like how am I ever going to be like an authority figure but it really is like a confidence thing and you just have to like work to fight that imposter syndrome because the fact of the matter is like you do know more than they do and they're gonna look at you with respect if like regardless. And so it's just kind of like getting out of your head, I guess. That's so, so true. I I think at the beginning of the year, I thought a lot about confidence. And I think also one thing that's helpful is like, they call me Miss Goldstein, which is so hysterical to everyone in my family. And they make <laughs> so much fun of me about it, but it, it does help in that differentiation. And I think also, um, I use vocabulary like team, like, hey, team, because we Mm -hmm. are a team. It's not like, hey, class. It's there is. I try and kind of take out that separation between us because we're in it together. Um, And I can imagine as a manager for an intern, I I don't know what your experience was like, but I think like setting goals together rather than Mm -hmm. telling someone what their goals are. I, I don't know. I can imagine that being 
helpful in reframing what that experience was like and how that might have been for you. Right. Totally. Totally agree. Um, And so one of our last questions here is we always ask our guests one thing they want our listeners to take away from the episode, which we know is a loaded question, but we ask you anyway. So if there is one thing, (laughs) what would it be? I think maybe to not be afraid to pick a mission and and push for it. It, I Mm -hmm. kind of feel like that has that's like my unofficial mantra that I just came up with that I kind of I kind of decide what I why I do something before I jump into turning in jump into action essentially and Mm so with Rugget for example I feel like there's such a strong reason behind why we do what we do and with teaching it's there's also a really strong reason behind why I do that and why I care about it and that really helps I think center me in the hard moments and also gives me a greater purpose for making things happen and and feeling fulfilled by it um and so I maybe maybe if there's one thing to take away I hope it's not too cheesy (laughs) but (laughs) consider before jumping into something or if you're feeling stuck why do you do it and ask Mm. yourself that question. Yeah, I think that's really great advice. And I've worked at a lot of mission-driven organizations, and I feel like it really does change the game when everyone kind of has this guiding light of all your decision-making that you know is like contributing to the greater good. So it doesn't even have to be on like a company level. It could be like on a life level. (laughs) So I think that's awesome advice. Um, And where can our listeners find you and Raguette online on social? Ooh, yeah. So Raguette, for Instagram, we're R-U-G-G-E-T-T-E dot P-B-C. So find us on Insta for sure. We have a few cool TikTok videos, but I feel like we have much to improve there. So stay tuned. <laughs> <laughs> so my name's Hannah Lily Goldstein so with H-A-N-N-A-H and then L-I-L-L-Y Goldstein at, on awesome. Insta. We'll have cool. all that linked down below um, with Regat's website as well in case you want to shop there. And with that, we're going to move into one of my favorite parts of our guest episodes, which is this or that before we close out. So as a reminder, if you've never listened before, um, Hannah has not seen these questions. She has no idea what I'm about to ask. And I'm going to start with a really hard hitting one, which is crunchy or creamy peanut butter. Ooh, ooh, that's so hard. <laughs> Why would you start with that? Um, okay, I'm in a crunchy mood. I'm going crunchy. I feel like most people, it's really one or the other. I'm surprised that you kind of fall like in the middle. I feel like people are pretty opinionated usually. I strongly feel like it depends on what I'm trying to accomplish. Yeah, there's like, different use cases for sure. Totally. Like what's what do you choose? I lean crunchy. I prefer crunchy in most situations, but I recognize that like, for example, if you're making like a peanut sauce or something, then you probably mm. want to have creamy. So I true. see the value in both, but I, le- I lean crunchy. Mm, true. I feel like when it stands alone, crunchy is my preference, but if it's like with something else, I'm kind of interested in creamy. I don't know. I don't know. That's good. That's a diplomatic take. I, I appreciate that. All right, the next one is hike solo or hike with a group? Ooh. Shoot, it also kind of depends on the mood. It's <laughs> I've had some hikes. This is maybe supposed to be like a rapid fire thing, but I have so many <laughs> stories, and so I'm like holding back. Um, no, no, go for it. <laughs> there's this one time that I 
I just decided the summer after my sophomore year of college that I wanted to go on this epic solo hike. And so I was like, I'm going to hike 500 miles of the AT alone. And I started with going north to south. So I started on Katahdin and then hiked down. I was going to hike to college. Like I was going to just show up at college and then start my junior fall. It was kind (laughs) of crazy. Um, I didn't end up doing the full thing. I ended up doing like 100 miles or 120 miles or something. And I was kind of miserable. And I love going on solo day hikes. And I think every once in a while, a good solo overnight. But it was really hard. Um, yeah, lonely, and, I imagine. Yeah, and I think, honestly, the, the biggest challenge was I saw so many groups around me. And so I mm. felt like I was missing something, even though I was doing it for myself. And then, actually, the summer after that, I like lived out of my car and toured around the West. And I was alone for that whole time. And I loved that. I think part of that also was I didn't run into lots of groups of people. So mm-hmm. I don't know. Hard question. Oh, shoot. But I didn't come up with an answer. (sighs) (laughs) I'm going to go with groups because why not? Yeah. Again, such cool stories like the Appalachian Trail, driving out west. Like you're going to, you have so much up your sleeve. It's crazy. Um, The next one is live permanently in the city or in the country. (gasps) Oh, no. I feel like ever since. Dating my boyfriend, my answer has changed. Originally, Mm. I was like, I'm going to be a rural girl. (laughs) And then Mm -hmm. now I'm like, but I could like enjoy time there and live in the city. So if it, I kind of feel like if it's a place like Seattle or Portland on either coast, then I could definitely vibe with the city. I'm, it'll be interesting to see how Boston treats me in the next year or so as, as the pandemic shifts Mm. (laughs) and I can be more social so I don't know yeah so like city with nature accessible boom nice you should um have you ever been to Burlington Vermont I bet you have actually I haven't spent that much time there I would I gotta spend more time there. you have to go it's like my favorite New England spot it's like amazing the last one is see into the future or read minds I wish that everyone could have just seen my face (laughs) (laughs) yeah she it was a shock a shock expression um I feel like so much of this time we've spent together where we can see each other on zoom and obviously whoever's listening can only hear audio and I just wish you could see my (laughs) facial expression and like the cringe when I say something like did I just say that no (laughs) we'll have a reel up by also too so check out our instagram oh good 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 okay cool (laughs) um (laughs) but read minds read minds decision made read minds Mm, nice I don't know what I would pick yeah they're both hard because I'm like I don't really want either if I'm being honest (laughs) like I don't really want to see into the future and I also don't really want to know what other people are thinking but I guess I would probably also pick read minds because I think seeing into the future would make me make different choices than I Mm. would have independently so all right well that concludes this episode I want to say thank you so much to Hannah for joining me for this awesome interview it was so great to learn from you and just pick your brain about all the awesome things that you have going on so like we mentioned we'll have all of Ruggett's info and all of Hannah's info linked down below if you want to keep following along thank you so so much for having me your questions are amazing and it's just I feel so honored for having being on the show thank you so much <laughs> thank you <laughs> there's the face again <laughs> 
All right, guys. I will chat with you next week. In the meantime, you can follow us on Instagram and have a great week.